what's happening y'all welcome to eddie and mike it's me mike and i'm here with my guy eddie p and live from new york it's saturday oh, i'm just playing with y'all what's up what is today? oh yeah thursday it's been a long thursday a long week but um yeah Her. what's up y'all um it's been a while since we um, hit y'all up i think it was two weeks or something like that no we did do something last week anyway um we're gonna talk about the commanders it's gonna it's gonna be the commanders of course starting off the show and then we'll talk about the nfl and the playoffs and the um, hamlin situation and all that in the second segment then we'll end the third um segment and the show talking about basketball um what's up bro how you doing uh no, nah, it you know you said it's been a couple of weeks because it just it feels like that this week has been so long it feels like the last show we did even though it was only last week oh, yeah. it does feel forever ago uh, I definitely concur with that so uh, uh, in the great outdoors aka sitting on my little slab of property at my apartment uh, just recording because the baby's sleeping and there's nowhere else to record so I'm here. <clears throat> we got lots to talk about, so let's get right to it. I mean, commanders alone—that's that's that's gonna be a whole thing right there. Yeah. So let's jump into it. Um, yeah, they finished the season off pretty strong. <laughs> um, a twenty—I think it was twenty-six-six victory over the Cowboys in Week Eighteen. Um, went started Week Seventeen versus the Browns and pretty much. Crapped a bit. Um, but Sam Howell looked pretty decent um against the Cowboys, who did have something to play for, even though it was a long shot that the um, Giants were going to take out the Eagles with Hurts. There was still a possibility. Uh well, they benched their starters too, so yeah. Um, but nevertheless, the commanders had a good game that game, but it wasn't good enough to save Scott Turner who was um, fired less than 24 hours after the game ended. So, um, yeah, he he didn't last too long after the season. But, um, yeah, bro, there's, there's a lot that happened in those short days uh, between, what, Thursday and uh, Monday morning. So um, let's just kick the bucket about it. How, how are you feeling right now, all uh, things considered, with the commanders? Well, uh, you're hearing the not-so-silent sounds of the rain in the background. And uh, though that, that's not like crying for Scott Turner because, let's face it, there, there was nothing – like it just wasn't going good at all. And you had players – I think what was it, like five to six players speaking under anonymity. Bro, it was nine. They wanted – Nine. There you go. Even and Logan Thomas was the tenth person, and he didn't speak under. Um, he wasn't trying to hide when he spoke. Logan Thomas was like, "I'm gonna put my name on it." <laughs> well, good for him. Good for him. And uh, he's maybe in a little bit better position to do that than some of the others potentially, because uh, you know we, we you got to figure it's offensive guys. You know, I, I can't imagine. I mean, maybe maybe a defensive guy or two who's like, "Hey, defense is playing their butts off," and this guy is. Jesus, rain's coming down hard, guys. But maybe the defense, you know, maybe it is a couple of defensive guys. Uh, as Are I've always okay said, get this? rid of somebody. I can barely hear the rain. Get rid of somebody. Huh? 
I was saying I can barely hear them ringing. I'm just making sure you're good. Oh, okay. Because it's really <laughs> loud here. Uh, so my apologies, folks. Anywho, yeah, maybe it is some of the defensive guys who are saying they're playing their butts off and, you know, this guy's messing things up. But um, like I've said before, you know, anytime you're getting rid of somebody or get rid of somebody, it, it's very, very good, very uh, – uh, it, it's just good <laughs> to, to have a replacement. Um, <clears throat> I have my thoughts. Uh, you know, we can maybe – Dive into that another time. What, so, Scott Turner? No, no, no. I mean, like, what's going to happen as far as offensive coordinator, coach, etc., all that. Um, yeah, so, there's a lot of buzz. Like, yeah, I think we can yeah, chill so for a I, week I want to stick that. with the Turner firing and the game and everything because mm-hmm. I thought Al looked good. And I thought there were some times where, you know, again, this, this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing that Scott <laughs> Turner does – I thought there were times where I liked Scott Turner's play calling. But as a whole, it was time to go. Uh, as far as that win, I think that that's really good for us. I, I know some people might have wanted us to lose and to <laughs> maybe elevate our draft stock. I, I That's such a crapshoot because, you know, I like the way we've been drafting, but our first rounders haven't been as good. So I'm not exactly tripping because – for starters, like you said, most of the Cowboys starters were playing. I mean, all of them, as far as I know, uh, they had something to play for. They had them in the game the whole time. And this would have been very easy for Washington to kind of, you know, they're eliminated. Mm-hmm. Easy to just be like, all right, you know, especially Hal's starting. And no disrespect to Hal, but he's the third guy. He's a rookie. He doesn't know the system like Heineke. And although Wentz has been terrible, he's an experienced guy. Howell doesn't have either of the two things that I mentioned about either of the other guys. So Wentz can kind of fake it until he's made it. (laughs) Yeah, but it it would have been really easy for the rest of the team to, like, not show up. But they showed up, and they showed out. And, you know, one thing, I didn't think about this until after the fact. There wasn't really a lot of penalties on us. For a really young team, we didn't get penalized that much. So let's so let's put that all together in a nutshell. Rookie QB starting the last game of the year that doesn't matter in our stadium that was pretty much filled with Cowboys fans. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So you're at home getting booed and cheered against. And against a defense that's been pretty good all year with all of its starters playing, again, with something to play for. And you come out and you dominate like that. No, I mean, I'm not going to lie. They, we had some things go our way for sure. You know, whether we're talking about the uh, the muffed, uh, uh, what would you call that? Because it wasn't the snap that was bad. It was the pun- the punter just bobbled the catch. What do you, what I do mean, you call that? I would call it a muffed putt regardless of who fought with us. So. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. What and then the dad going return it. Um, he it right to us. I said, was like, go make a play. Shut I was looking at that earlier today at work. Like, I didn't even know Holmes caught the ball. Like, I thought the ball bounced off the ground and he, he fell on it, but nah, it bounced and, off of his knee pad into Holmes' hands. <laughs> and, and you can argue a few things here. One, you're going to say I'm reaching with what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but in both instances, we got that ball because of 
hustle and and actually playing all the way through, especially the muff punt. Think about how many times the guys on defense will rush just a little bit. You'll see most of it come from the outside, from the little guys that are quick enough to maybe get the block, right? Most of the rest of the guys, they take a couple steps in and then they're turning and hauling mm-hmm. the field to get in position to block for the return, right? So when that muff punt happens and then we got a guy or two already back there, you know, I, the follow through, you know what I mean? It, it's it's just the same way you see guys on kickoff, even when it's a touchback and they run all the way to the end zone, playing through to the whistle, that sort of mentality. That's what I'm getting at. So again, let's, we, we, we got the, the third string quarterback playing against this team. Like, man, I loved what I saw, but think about that. In spite of all of that, Scott Turner still had to go. That tells you everything, not just the way the players feel, but just, the body of work. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was a fan of Scott Turner. I liked him as a person. And he his scheme is nice. It's not the scheme. It's literally the play calling. Like it just seems like the Bama didn't have a feel for the game. And it's one thing if the players are complaining about it. It's it's one thing if former players are complaining about it. It's one thing if the analysts are complaining about it. But when everybody's seeing it, including the fans, at some point, a change had to be made. And I hate when people say, um, well, he didn't have a quarterback. He didn't have an offensive line. If that was the case, the offense wouldn't have looked uh, as explosive as it did at times with all three quarterbacks in. Wentz was throwing bombs um, too early in the season. Heineke looked wonderful, even though he wasn't throwing a deep. He looked wonderful. Um, and how threw a deep twice and was like doing this thing. Like you can see that the offense can move the ball. You can see that the offense works. It's just that every now and then, like you said, he has these these brain farts, these hiccups. Like running a stretch play on fourth and one with um, Jonathan Williams, or um it's third and four. You try to run a jet sweep with Curtis Samuel. Like, you're not catching nobody off guard anymore with this stuff, bro. Like, yeah. sometimes you just got lined up and just go at it. But, so would you would you chalk that up to – this is a two-parter here, Michelangelo. <laughs> would you chalk that up to, number one, lack of experience? Because I know he did some, yeah. some coordinating at Carolina. Hold on now. Lack of experience. And then more so, how much blame does old Riverboat get for bringing him here knowing he didn't have that much experience. Now I understand that, that, that nepotism or that sort of like, it might not be nepotism, you know, by definition because they're not related, but, but again, you know, and, and it's understandable. You want your guys because they know what you want, how to, you know, get it and this, that, and the third. So I get that part, but again, how much, how much blame does Ron get for this since he brought him here? So, um, Hey, I forgot. What was your first question again? Lack of experience. Oh, lack How of much experience. So calling? I'm not tripping um, off that. I'm not tripping off of the lack of experience, um, particularly for him, because um, he's been around it all his whole life. Now, I know you could say, oh, he's not. He's, just because he was around, it doesn't mean he um, automatically could do it as him getting fired through. Um, but 
what I'm saying is like he grew up with it. He he worked his way up the ranks. Like this isn't this wasn't his first job in the NFL. It was just his first job leading a team for multiple years. Um, and it just wasn't consistent. And like I said um, earlier, like it was up and down. Like there were good plays and there were horrible plays. Um, a lot of the flow of the offense is on him as a coordinator. Um, the only blame I would place on Ron is he set him up on the offensive line. It's that simple. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not tripping off of letting go Eric Flowers specifically because nobody picked him up this season. <laughs> like, he was a free agent the whole season. So, obviously, if we didn't want him and the other 31 teams didn't want him, then don't you think something going on, <laughs> like, with him? So, um, but he let go of Cheryl, too. So, you're already down two starting guards. We replace him with Andrew Morrill and Trey Turner. Two old dudes, and the fact that they were former Carolina Panthers made it even worse. Commanders. So Commanders, Commanders, Commanders. That's where that's where Ron gets the blame from um setting them up with them trash offensive linemen. I think the pick was a good pick. No. I'll tell you where Ron really messed up though. He should have did whatever he could have to keep Kevin O'Connell here. I called that when he first um, when Turner was first hired, or no, or when uh, when O'Connell was first let go, I said that could end up being his biggest mistake. And that was his first um, choice that he had to do. And I was like, it could be his biggest mistake, and this turned out to be. Now, word on the street was that Kevin O'Connell didn't want to come back if he had to um, start Haskins. And the Snyder was like, Haskins had to start, man. <laughs> like, what, what was Ron supposed to do? So, um, yeah, that's that's how that seemingly went. Uh, it's unfortunate, but I'm not going to blame Ron for picking him, um, even with the nepotism or whatever. Like, I think it was a good choice if he wanted to have somebody young um, work his um, offense. That was the person to do it. And like I said, it looked good at times. The scheme itself, I liked it. Now, don't get me wrong, it wasn't doing some Kyle Shanahan type stuff. But that's the master, so nobody offense is running well. I, I'm sorry. My bad, Big Red. My bad. I take that back, Big Red. You know you got it. Andy <laughs> Reid, he's been cooking since, what, 99? <laughs> so I take that back. But, um, yeah, them two are the masters at play caller right now. I'm not saying that um, Turner was up there with them two, but I will say that like there there have been games this year where with all three quarterbacks where the offense has looked well, but the inconsistency for the third time. Like that's just what gets you up out of there. Like you can move the ball all you want, but if you can't put the points on the board, if your offense rank um in the BVOA 30 second and 2020, 21 and 20, I mean, I'm sorry, number 20 and 2021. And 28th this season, like even this, even the ratings are inconsistent. Like, how you want to go up and then go down? Like, come on, bro. He had to go. It, it was just, it just, that's what it is. It just what it was. No, I hear you. I, uh, 
I don't have much else to say unless uh, I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, and coordinators, where are we going now? What's the direction? Um, like I, I said, going to be available. Like I said, I don't think there's nothing we can talk about until they actually hire them because there's so many avenues they can go. Um, Will well, Rivera, an offensive coordinator, sooner than later because I mean I I get it's still January. Mm-hmm. But you know, before you know it, it's going to be draft time. I would think you'd want to have a coordinator already in place before you start going and getting more guys. Now, obviously, you want a type of guy who's going to align with the way you've been drafting and the players you want. I get all of those factors, too. But I'm just, just saying, I, I feel like that might be something they need, need to jump on quick. But I understand too, like maybe waiting for some of these guys to become available after the playoffs are over. Yeah, it'll be it'll definitely I'll say this. We'll have an offensive coordinator before Valentine's Day. Okay. And that's about that's about reasonable. But don't be surprised if we have one before the end of the month. It's January twelfth, my sister's birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday show. Um yeah. I'll be shocked if something happened tonight, like you know, really will. But um, as far as like candidates, um, if he wants to go with somebody that he worked with before, Mike Shula is the name that's been thrown around a lot. Um, if they said that he wasn't going to hire anyone off staff, like he could change his mind at any time, and that's what Ken Zampezi comes into play. Um, I like. Um, I think his name is Marcus. He um. He has a, a he's in a sports group called Sports View Two, I believe, on Facebook, and he's also in Washington Addicts. Um, he was the first person I saw throwing around Pat Hamilton. That would be a a wonderful choice, in my opinion. Um, he's local, former um, head coach at Howard University, former head coach of the BC Defenders of the XFL. Um, Didn't he coach for Washington before? I don't think so. Maybe sounds familiar. Like he was, yeah, what, DC Defenders. He was the head coach for the DC Defenders, the XFL team. Like way back when, at some point, he wasn't yeah, a, head was coach a, at Howard. He was never a position coach, maybe. No, I don't think so. Name sounds so familiar. Yeah, but he's very uh, well known in the area, um, and that's why I'm saying like might be time for him to come home. He uh, was the offensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and I think it was from 2014 to 2016, or maybe 20. Yeah, I think that was it, 2014 to 16 or whatever. Um, and also, he was the coordinator for the Texans the last season. Um, they didn't have much, but don't y'all remember what the Texans were doing this season? Damian Pierce was running out of his mind before his injury. And that's what Rivera wants to do, run the ball. So I really wouldn't be surprised if um, Marcus's suggestion of uh, Pat Hamilton, and I'm sorry if your name not Marcus, because I really think it is. Um, yeah, Pat Hamilton was a great suggestion. Um, I really can't think of anybody that I would want off the top of my head that's realistic. But let me throw this out before we end this segment. Sean McVay is doing, it feels like he's doing everything he can to get out of Los Angeles. Bruh, 
what if he really is trying to make his way to Washington with um a potential so. with a potential Jeff Bezos and Jay Z um by a partnership? I don't because, know. I, I think he's gonna pull a Sean Payton. I think he's gonna take a little break. Yeah, I'm no because watch. he's young. Because he's young and already got a ring and already got a ton of money, he kind of has some leverage to an extent. So he can just sit and kind of wait until, quote unquote, the right job comes available. Because I feel like that Rams team kind of started falling apart real quick. And while some of those guys are still not, you know, like not by any means like aged out, Mm-hmm. I felt again my personal opinion my experience is growing up not for long that's what it stands for so having said all, all that I, I think he just is trying to get out you know same way Belichick and Andy Reid are always trading players before they're uh, past their prime getting out ahead mm-hmm. I think that's what McVay is going to do because also let's remember they've traded away so that's many what I was first- about to say he kind of doing something bad Like, what, what year? Is it going to be like 2030? I think it's 25. It's not that much. It's not 2030. Like, <laughs> that one year, I can't remember who was it, Fowler. They gave up a bunch to get him. They gave up a bunch to get Von Miller, uh, um, Jalen Ramsey. I think they gave up, probably not first rounders, but they gave a bunch of pick or at least a few picks to get Odell, I think. like. But listen, it, though, bro. They, just they like, have no picks. Just like I told the Laker fans about the bubble championship. Um, you get it how you can get it. And <laughs> they pretty much um they pretty much sold their souls for a Super Bowl. And well, it's gonna I, be I, a tough it's gonna be a tough couple of years. I'm not taking away yeah. from that championship. I wasn't trying to do that. No, I'm just, just saying like gave up I, don't feel, I don't feel sorry for him. That's what I'm saying. Oh no, I don't feel sorry for him neither. Oh, and ain't, ain't nobody talking about feeling sorry for him. I'm just saying that's another reason why McVay want, might want to be out. He's going to be like, hey, uh, I'm looking around, and a lot of these guys are going to be gone in, like, another year or two, if not sooner because of just, you know, injuries and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I genuinely – I really think, you know, he's a young guy. He's married. I don't know if he has any kids. I kind of – I don't know. It's, it, it almost feels like he doesn't. But I only say that just because it's that much more fun to be had with all that money living in LA. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I get it. So he, why wouldn't you? <laughs> Got to wake up early and like, man, it's it's a lot of work. Yeah, watch the hard knocks things. You can see, it's, that's a lot of work. And that Joker is jazzed up all the time. I know he's exhausted. Uh, and uh, we're gonna. Take a quick break and come back and talk about some coaches that are still being miserable right now, coaching late nights. Get ready for the playoffs, man. It's Eddie and Mike. We'll be smack back. Back, back. Favorite playoff game memory? No, of the weekend. Of the weekend? Yeah. Or, or I'm sorry, 
There's a Monday night football game. Yeah, that, uh, that's Cowboys and uh, Bucks, is it not? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's definitely them. I, uh, wow. So looking at this, I think uh, the Niners Seahawks could be interesting. I, I'm I'm going to be rooting for the Jags over the Chargers just for the fact that we beat them week one. So it just makes that <laughs> look even better. So that's definitely going down. But that could be an interesting game because, um, and no disrespect to either team's defense, especially, you know, Chargers got Khalil Mack. I don't want to piss him off. I know he listens to the show. So right. I think I think it's going to be a shootout. You know what I mean? I think, or at least it has the potential because Entian and Lawrence already have that connection from Clemson. And it seems like they're starting to figure out how to play together and, and Peterson's figuring out how to, how to call more plays to, for his benefit. Mm-hmm. So there's that, uh, I, the, the trio of, of receivers, well, two receivers and a tight end with, uh, um, Oh my goodness, Zay Jones and uh what's your your boy from the Cardinals? Kirk, Kirk, Christian Kirk, and then Evan Ingram. So it's funny, all three guys not drafted by the Jaguars, but uh all three of those guys, they got hella catches, big chunks of yards. So I can see that Jags offense putting up points. And the Chargers have kind of been known to put up fair amount of points uh last few years, let alone this year. So that could be an exciting game. I think, honestly, I think the Ravens-Bengals game is going to be a little bit of a sleeper. I think that might be probably the best game of the week. And the reason I say that is I know no Lamar and I get all that. Mm-hmm. The Bengals are backed up, bro. They're like – they're I, they're – their uh their skill players, their core skill players are, are pretty good, I'm I'm pretty sure. But the O line that they tried to re uh you know bolster, try to revamp mm-hmm. by uh, a bunch of free agents. A lot of those guys dinged up. Ravens are always known for being pretty pretty good on defense. So I have a feeling that game might be pretty interesting because Huntley plays a similar style to Lamar. Let's face it, he's not Lamar, but Again, that the, there's not too much of an adjustment in terms of uh, style of play, the play calling, and and things of that nature. So I, I'm thinking I, I think the Ravens might pull an upset. So, but I, I think the Chargers Jaguars. Um, I think that's got to be like the game, the best game of the of the that playoffs, just because of the the competition. Um, and then I don't, I don't know, man, like. I've gotten to the point in my life where like Dallas is, is our rival and I, I always want to see him lose. And in mm-hmm. my household with my brother and or other Dallas fans, I will cheer, but I don't need to like, Oh, you know, Dallas is going to choke. You know, I've, I've seen all the, let's get this out the way Cowboys eliminated. I, I inside, I love it, but I don't need to, I, I don't need to kick them while they're down. I don't need to. Yeah, I think, I think I'm with you on the Jags Chargers game. Um, don't sleep on that Giants Vikings game though. Uh, that could be interesting. What would you think? You think the Vikings might? Are, are are we? Are we going with the Christian? I mean, excuse me. CS. I was about to say Christian Kirk. 
are we <laughs> Christian Kirk Cousins? Are we Christian are we going Kirk Cousins? I was trying to do one of those things where it's you know the last name leads to the first name. <laughs> uh anywho, yeah, are we are we going with the Kirkers, uh cousinsers? The Kirkers? What's wrong yeah. with you, bro? <laughs> Just being goofy, man. Uh, you know, content. Haha, silly. The kids love jokes, nicknames, copyright, pay me. Yeah. I got that from somewhere. I can't remember. All right. So yeah, Kirk Cousins, the whole choke thing. Is that where you were going with that? Nah. Um, I just I just think it'll be a good game because they are what's the it was a close matchup when they played. I think they played week sixteen. I want to say it was 27-24 Vikings. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, they can definitely get at them if they wanted to. But, um... Well, there is something to be said with, uh... It's it's two rookie coaches, right? Uh... Uh... Yeah, it it is, actually. Dayball and O'Connell? Mhm. So, just gonna, you know, that I don't, I don't know what that means. Does that, does that mean it truly comes down to the players? Because I feel like <laughs> almost always comes down to the players anyway. So, but yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, and um, as far like you said with the Cowboys, Bucks. It's so much going against the Cowboys other than them being the favorites. Um, but that could work to their benefit, too. Who, the Cowboys? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't, like, be, I wouldn't be surprised if they came out and kind of dominated because the Buccaneers beat them week one. Mm-hmm. And it was – the score might not have reflected it, but as someone who has Leonard Fournette on their fantasy team, the, the first, like, ten carries – he was already at like 70 or 80 yards. Like he was getting chunk runs like you wouldn't believe against that defense. Uh, but the fact that, you know, that happened and I'm I'm a firm believer, which kind of does give credence to your whole uh, Giants Vikings thing. Um, I am a firm believer that nine times out of 10, the team that lost when they play the second time around tends to kind of just, have the edge for whatever reason, whether you've you've learned your lesson, so to speak, whatever it is. So there's that part. And then just the fact that you just got dominated by the Washington <laughs> Tubby Commander Tutty, Commander Tutties. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Why did they him. name him? I know we've already <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> real, quick, real quick, I know we're talking playoffs. Why is his name Major Tutty? Shouldn't it be Commander Tutty? Hey, it did feel like they dropped the ball yeah. so much. But um, but yeah, back to the to the Cowboys. I think the fact that we beat them, that might be what they need. That might be the kick in the ass they need. Because <laughs> now you got Tampa Tom. Who they he's are. He's hoping that they're that that the Cowboys are down. You got Dak throwing picks. And that's what I was about to say. They are winless against Tom Brady. I think it's like 0 and 8 or 0 and 7. And no, it's 0 and 7 against Brady. And they lost their last eight games, uh, playoff games on the road. So, um, well, like, it's so much. They do. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just so much. And if they do lose, oh my goodness. 
and I and I think if those of you who do listen, thank you uh, first. But you, you know us by now, and I think you can understand that. Yes, we don't like the Cowboys because of the rivalry. But as I, I speak more for myself, but I think at least a little bit for Mike here. The older I get, the more it's it's not about the team. I don't really hate the team anymore. It's right. their fans. <laughs> I am so sick and tired of people that I know have more than likely never set foot in Texas. They they grew up in Alexandria, Richmond Highway with me. And they would do how about them cowboys? I get so sick of it. You know, that's why I tolerate Mays because he's actually from Dallas. At least he's in the city and living in the city can go to the stadium or whatever. I I make the geographical comment just because, you know, it I I actually have this this deep-rooted jealousy, and this is gonna sound so weird because play (laughs) Pittsburgh or Green Bay or you know, et cetera, not desirable places to go, but the fandom for their teams, like those those stadiums, they are packed like 80 to 90 percent of the home team. And I and where we live, you know, Mike is is over there in Maryland. I'm in Virginia. Uh, we are both right near beltways, et cetera. Mm-hmm. This is a transient area. There are so many people coming here from New England and Pittsburgh uh, for I'm work. I'm a Bills fan group. <laughs> It, no, I, so I understand. I don't the the geographical thing just because you know. Oh, I'm honestly, sorry, a DC Bills fan group. I should have said. Oh, interesting, <laughs> interesting. So, um, yeah, that, that's perfect because I was starting to ramble. So let's let's use that to segue. You guys all saw what happened to uh, Bill Safety Demar Hamlin. Just crazy event, shocker. Uh, I, I don't know if any real information has come out as far as this, like what caused his cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know that that's not necessarily important for me, the hit. I don't, you know, I, a lot of people have speculated that maybe he was hit directly in the chest in a way that might've sparked or, ign- you know, something like that happened. What's up? So Mike? Check this out. Um, this is how serious the Hamlet injury was or is. You just said he had a cardiac arrest. Um, I literally saw a tweet before we started the show, like like five, ten minutes before we started the show, that um Lisa Marie Presley um had Lisa Marie Presley had um went to the the hospital or something through the cardiac arrest. Somebody just posted four minutes ago that she died. So, yeah. Like, it was that serious. When somebody's, they were on the field doing CPR for that that man for nine minutes. Like, that's... That tells you timing is everything, you know? Um, So that that was a big, big uh, topic uh, uh, as far as his recovery, uh, you know, those who watch ESPN, you saw those two doctors. Uh, they spoke very highly of the, uh, I believe it was the Bengals training staff as well as the Bills training staff and their 
quick reactions, the quick reactions of the uh, EMS uh, uh, staff to get him in the ambulance, get him to, uh, I believe his university is Cincinnati uh, Hospital. So all of those things were, uh, at least as far as what I've heard, seen, read, et cetera, are the reasons for his speedy recovery. Uh, yeah, just a crazy event. Um, I've never seen anything like that. Uh, I'm, I'm not that old, but I, I've definitely seen plenty of players carted off for broken bones, uh, spinal a few times, you know, but nothing as crazy as this. And, you know, you're, you're glad that the guy's okay, first and foremost. Um, yeah, it just, it, it's, you know, first time for everything i suppose um although i don't really think this is the first time that that's happened i just think the particular way it happened uh probably should have more information on that before we start the show but yeah just i mean you know all in all that the, the important thing is that tamar hamlin is okay and not that you wish this on anybody but it just really sucks that it happened to a player like him for those of you who don't know, uh, Demar Hamlin comes from the University of Pittsburgh, and I'm not sure if he was at Pittsburgh when the NIL stuff was going on, which, in a way, could just sort of heighten the the lore of everything I'm about to say. But he created, uh, you know, toy drives, and and it was was very much one of those community leader type activist, uh, you know, involved. Uh, I don't want to use the term do-gooder because it, it there's almost like a, a backhanded compliment sound to it, at least for me. So, but yeah, just, just an excellent human being by all accounts. And as far as I know, I think he was like a six round pick and you factor in that while Micah Hyde's injured, I think he was just activated off of IR, but Micah Hyde's been injured all year and they got Jordan Poyer. So you got a six-round safety behind two all-pro safeties, and he he makes the team. And uh, I can't remember my man's name, not Mel Kuyper, but the guy Mel Kuyper argues with all the time. He called this. He said, oh, uh, McShay, Todd McShay. Todd McShay called it, said, guarantee you DeMar Hamlin will make the team which is pretty cool when you think about everything I said as far as being a leader and being behind the all pros and, you know, with Micah Hyde being hurt, of course, he gets more playing time, but he seems to be one of those guys that like this was destined to happen the, as far as making the team and everything, not, not the injury part, of course not. So um, sucks that it happened to someone like him. Shouldn't happen to anyone just for what it's worth. Uh, but, and, you know, shout out to Bill's mafia, uh, no surprise. They did this with Josh Allen. They've done this with so many other, uh, various charities. I, I don't know what the number is now, but they raised an insane amount for DeMar Hamlin, his family and the charities he's involved in. So, uh, I mean, just big, big shout out to them. Uh, so Mike, I'm going to let you say whatever you need to say about that particular topic. And then this does, I mean, if it's, it's, we're going to talk about that too. It's really not too much more. I can add that everybody hasn't heard before. Now, as far as um, the ramifications of the NFL. Yeah. Um, and 
like, I'm not trying to go back to two weeks ago or whatever with Skip Bayless and all that, but people really got to chill out, yo. <laughs> like, they crushed us for that, man. Like, I get it. It wasn't the most, what's the word? Um, it wasn't the most sensible thing to do at that time, knowing how people can react. And I still feel like he did it on purpose because he knew they would react this way. And they got attention on him. But um, Skip's got a job to do. I think people have to remember that. He always plays the heel. Now, being... You know, timing. No, no, I I hear you. You don't need you don't need to be so cold blooded and savage. You know, there needs to be some some tact, some uh, you know, at least filtering thinking before you hit that send button. I I think for most people, they took all of the body of work of Skip, which they didn't like or agree with, because let's face it, he's kind of made a career off of trolling LeBron and certain other players. And at times he says things that might be agreeable depending on your stance on certain topics. So anyway, you take this body of work of him and then it's that last part because I I tend to agree with you. If you were to look at the timeline, he made several other tweets kind of saying like, wow, this is crazy. I'm praying for this young man. Things of that nature, which are pretty much standard, right? It's what most compassionate human beings would think or say or maybe tweet um and but it's that last part where he's like something about a game that now suddenly seems irrelevant but like it it, i don't know but maybe the players took that as like somewhat insulting and from what i understand it's more the idea that like these are human beings too they're not machines they're not this isn't nascar or some horse racing which you know, depending on who you are, you might not agree that horses should be treated that way either. But point is that the the treatment, the the outlook, the view of of what football players are to people was sort of the feeling, which is understandable. Uh, as far as the game goes, you know, you, you got to in some ways feel in, well, in many ways, you got to feel for the Bills. They already played a game, I think, where was it in Detroit against I can't remember who. Was it Cleveland? They are. They already had that. Against. I forgot about that. They already had that happen with the snow. Then you get the Demar Hamlin thing just happening to the team, but then the effect because both the Bills and Bengals have winning records. I believe they're winning their division, won their divisions rather. So that game had a lot of ramifications, and just the the slight to the Bills um, almost makes you want to root for them, which. I don't know. Maybe I will. I just want to see good football. But then you factor in like what, what what's going to happen because that game, you know, how were you going to replay it? Not, I'm not mad at the NFL for how they handled it because let's face it, they wanted these guys to play on. So now what do they do? You know, it, it's no matter what you did, somebody was going to be slighted and unhappy. And you could argue that maybe, you know, if the Bills win and they play Kansas City, it's going to be neutral. That might be more beneficiary for the Bills than you think. Because I don't know that – has Pat Mahomes ever played a playoff game not in Kansas City? He's been at he's, – he's had home field advantage almost his whole damn life. 
I can't remember. Maybe he has. If I, you know, if I'm wrong, tell me. But so there's that. But then I heard, question. I, I heard a theory on the radio where this this tragedy almost became a golden egg, a, a perfect storm for the NFL. And I don't know how much I, I buy into this, but I, I felt like it was something that definitely needed to be talked about because I feel like you'd have at least something to say, and maybe our listeners would uh, enjoy just thinking on this. Do you think the NFL secretly is not happy about the DeMar Hamlin thing? Nobody is happy about that. But the fact that they can make this a neutral site game, because now you're you're, you're drawing more fans to maybe, like, I, I believe the game is going to be played in Atlanta, right? And, I, you know, Atlanta, I don't know how it in terms of sales and everything i don't know how well they they did this year so if you all of a sudden create neutral sites with your teams that don't do so well and you can help to bring their uh stock or whatever up uh, you know i don't know but i but i've heard theories that like the nfl secretly wanted a bunch of these neutral site games because then they can pick a bigger stadium, you know, some of these stadiums are older, not by much, but, you know, size matters. Like they, how many, how many fans can you fit in there? So the more seats, the more money. So that's, that's just something I heard. I know it's very tinfoil hat-ish, if you will, but uh, I don't know. It, it, I heard it and I, I thought maybe there's something to it. You know, like I said, perfect storm, they didn't want this to happen, but now it did. And so it's like, well, to be fair, that part makes sense, neutral site. But then there's a benefit of it, as there always is. Because you could pick, you know, what it, the Cowboys are in it. But let's say in another instance, the Cowboys are eliminated and you get, you know, two teams that are that Dallas would be a neutral site. That is a huge stadium. You could get so many fans in there. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. So, I went back and checked. And you are right that um, the – no, the Chiefs – wait a minute. They don't have a – where was this game played? Um. The Chiefs did play a playoff game on the road, I think. Was Alex Smith the quarterback? No. Um, okay. When they played the Bills and the – no. Pro football reference just must have jacked something up. Um it was at Kansas City. So, yeah, he's never played the road playoff game except for the Super Bowls. Yeah, so that that could be beneficiary. You get, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying Chiefs fans won't travel, but. I mean, but he lost at home, too. So, like, no, no, I hear you. But, I mean, so it'd be an advantage uh, for either team. Three years ago today is the day that. The Texans blew that 24-point lead to the um, Chiefs in the playoffs and ended up losing by 20. It was like 31-7, to 7, and they ended up losing 51-31. to 31. 
That's insane. Like they haven't recovered since then, bro. Yeah. That's crazy. But um yeah, that should be an interesting playoffs. This is a game you didn't talk about. Who the 49ers? Oh yeah, the Seahawks. And Seahawks. Yeah, and the um Dolphins and the Bills. Like, yeah. Well, you just gotta kind of Yeah, they smack at them. I'll be surprised if either one of those teams lost. Um to those teams, uh, the Bills are going to win, and and the Niners are going to win. I don't, I don't, I, I just. But what see. if they lose, though, bro? That'll be so. Just, I don't see any way that that's going to happen. That'll be that would be ridiculous. Man. Tua is fragile. Uh, I just don't. I, I think as good as Geno Smith's playing. I think that Niners defense is going to be in his face all the time. So, yeah, man, I just – yeah, that, that that's where I'm at. I, I just – I don't see either one of those upsets happening. Like, not not a chance. So, um, yeah. Hey, next show, if, if I end up being wrong, you'll hear me. I, I will – I will face the music. Face the music. Well, I don't know how to say what eat crow or something. You know, it sounds <laughs> kind of weird. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take another break. Come back. Are we talking some basketball? We love that basketball. <laughs> Eddie and Mike will be snackety back. in the paint the NBA it is in full swing no we're not talking LeBron no we're not talking Durant we're not talking Yanis but as a whole Mike I don't know if Maybe I'm just looking at basketball differently, and we've talked before. I've, I've expressed at least the way I see it as the game being played differently, more of a finesse style, which I guess the whole point was to lead to this. Mike, I am seeing guys put up 2K-like numbers, at least from what I'm seeing. I mean, I mean, Luca. it seems like every night, and I understand that that's – not necessarily a shocker that I would mention his name, but you know, you look at Giannis, um, uh, Dave, geez, Donovan Mitchell. I was going to say Davion, um, because Davion Mitchell, I think, played for Baylor, plays for Sacramento now. So get them confused for some weird reason. Donovan Mitchell put up 71, um, which was insane. It just seems like there's a lot more big scoring games now than there were of years past. I remember there was a time where Iverson was on a bit of a run with like consecutive 30 and maybe 40 point games. Um, Maybe a few other guys, you know, Kobe, uh, you know, and and I get that, but I just feel like now it's more commonplace. Does that make sense? You feel me? What do you think? Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. So check this out. 
I don't think it's as high as people think it is. I think it's just that they happen so close together. Um, and the fact that Mitchell scored 71, which was the most since Kobe dropped 81 on the um, Raptors back in 07 or 06, I think. Um, but anyway, yeah, because the highest score, check this out, the highest score for this season right now is 71, 60, 59, 58, 55. And it's not like any of these players are names you wouldn't expect. Like, I know Donovan Mitchell scored 71, but it's not like it's surprising. Because, yeah, it's surprising because it's 71, but it's not surprising that it's Mitchell. Like, even if Bill put up 71, that wouldn't be surprising. Um, but what I was trying to say was back in 2020, there were three 60 point scores, including Bradley Bill. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't, and, and as far as like the reason for it, it's, it's just the same as everything else. The advancement of technology, which is helping the advancement of human, um, the human race, um, we're just adapting. Like if you were to drop me, like me right now, you drop me in the fifties and put me on a team that's not the Celtics, we probably competing with the Celtics for championships just because you dropped me on the team with all the knowledge and advancement that I have. It, it would just be unfair to put me on the team. Together, huh? I said you'd be the glue holding that team together, huh? Right. But like, it could be literally any knowledgeable basketball fan that plays basketball can probably go back in the day and dominate just simply because that's how far the game has advanced. And y'all got to remember, this is a game that was created in the 1930s. It's 2020 something. Like, it's just evolved. Like, I don't understand why it's so hard for people to understand that. Um, Look at the way the NFL was played back in the day and look at how it's played now. Two completely different games, two completely different fields, um, two co- completely different outfits and equipment or whatever. With basketball, is still a hoop and jersey and uh, 90 feet. And yeah, they added a three point one. What do you do? I'm telling you, Mike, the, the scoring as a whole is going up. I'm not, none of this is complaining, by the way, just something I noticed. Thought it'd be something good to talk about. Uh, uh, interesting thing, too. I think Mitchell, the next day after uh, dropping 71, drug tested. Like, right oh, yeah. away. They couldn't even let that man have a whole 24 hours to celebrate that. Um, and another interesting thing, I can't remember what the number was, but I, I think it was, like, maybe, like, 59 or, or something lower. That should have technically been what he – that, that should have been – his final uh, tally. So in the same breath where the NFL a couple of days after, you know, uh, the, the week of games, they'll say, Oh, we missed this penalty call. We missed that penalty call, blah, blah, blah. Apparently 
Mitchell was at the free throw line or he had maybe he had gotten an and one. I can't remember, but he was at the free throw line and then he got his own rebound, but nobody else had touched it or it was a late, like his, he had moved his foot forward across mm. the line. Um, so it, it, whether he was the first one to touch it or he it moved uh, his, his foot moved across the line before everybody else's or something um, that should have negated him getting the ball and getting a putback which helped lead to overtime, and then he continued to score. So I thought that was kind of interesting too, but, um, you know, they, it's still 71. So good for him. Uh, I think Embiid's got at least 30. He's been getting 30 very, very consistently. That was he all got just, a 59-point game. Yep. Yep. I, it, it's just the way the game is being played now, a lot of run and gun. A lot more finesse, a lot of three-point shooting. Um, some even talk like, and I think these are older people who are saying it more sarcastically and angrily, but they're like, why not make a four-point shot? <laughs> like, so that – what is it, the big three where they got those, like, spots? Oh, yeah, like NBA jail. Something like that. Nah, yeah. They shouldn't make a four-point play. They just need to increase the three-point line, man. Oh, you I love the way to move further back. Yeah, or honestly, nah, don't do that because then it'll be even easier to score and all the Raptors will get broken quickly. I was going to say they can move it closer. But I kind of like the way the, um, the international way does it, where there's no corner threes for the most part. Huh. Um. I like that um way. Or I don't know if that's the way the international play or if that's what somebody suggested. And I really like um remember we were talking about that basketball rule where um the Kobe rule or the Kobe game rule, like at the end of the quarter there's a target score. And yeah. like like remember like for the all-star game. When the, um they change the the way the game ends or whatever, like at the end of the third quarter. Oh yeah, I've, I've kind of been out of all star games, but yeah, I remember that now. Like, there's some sort of like target final, year right? Each and in terms of like a number or whatever. Okay, I yeah. like that because it like it prevents like games from going quadruple, duple, 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 duple overtime. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And it just speeds the game up. Like, let's get this over with. Yeah, yeah no, hey. But I, I hear you. Yeah, I do think we're nowhere near the end of the evolution of the NBA. I think um, it's going to get crazier as time progresses. And it's not like older people care about the NBA anyway. So get crazy with it. Give the people what they want. Yep. But we about to bounce up out buckets. That's what they want. We about to bounce up out of here, y'all. Um, everybody be safe, man. It's just been so much going on, especially in Washington D.C. Um, yeah, like I got the little ring up and on the neighborhood, little watch joint. Um, it's like always a reporter. Like, shoot, I woke up this morning and they was like, it was gunshot. But was that yesterday? I think it was yesterday morning. They was like, anybody in them gunshots on the street that I live on? Um, and I was like, nah. 
I actually didn't. Well, I didn't respond. I never respond. I just be looking. But um, nevertheless, just be safe. Um, shout out to the book club that I'm in. This month's book, Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Um, I haven't read it before, so it should be interesting. I just got it today, so practice line open later. And um, yeah, any last words, my guy? No, uh, no, you guys take, take her easy. And, uh, you know, Mike, of, of all the days we've done a podcast together, this is one of them. Hey, <laughs> uh, I'll at y'all later. Peace out. Adios and vayo con Dios. <laughs> <laughs>